Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have Luke Sutters. Hello. John Epperson. Hello, everybody. Valentino Stoll. Hey there. I'm Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And this week, we have a special guest, and that's Husefa. I'm not even going to try and say your last name, man. Do you want to introduce yourself? Maybe you can say it and uh, let us know who you are and why you're famous. Sure. Thanks for the introduction, Charles. So I am working in Ruby on Rails since last uh, more than six years. And I had a great time. I didn't decide to end up on Ruby on Rails, but Destiny is already written. So I started in Java and then automatically, you know, some projects came and I had to switch on Ruby on Rails. And after that, it's like uh, not, not looking back. It's going on and I hope it will go on in the future. Awesome. Did you work your tail off to get that senior developer gig just to realize that senior dev doesn't actually mean dream job? I've been there too. My first senior developer job was at a place where all of our triumphs were the bosses and all the failures were ours. The second one was a great place to continue to learn and grow, only for it to go under due to poor management. And now I get job offers from great places to work all the time. Not only that, but the last job interview I actually sat in was a discussion about how much my podcast had helped the people interviewing me. If you're looking for a way to get into your dream job, then join our Dev Heroes Accelerator. Not only will we help you get the kind of exposure that makes you attractive to your dream employer, but you'll be able to ask them for top dollar as well. Check it out at devheroesaccelerator.com. I'm a little curious what prompted the switch from Java to Rails. We're going to be talking about Docker here in a minute, but I'm, I was curious. So it's more of not a technology barrier, but it was like a company's you know, projects that when I started my career in in my country, in my state. So we didn't get that much projects in Java. So that caused a lot of means uh, shortage of, if, if there's a shortage of projects, then, then the companies do... You know, cut down the, the force, you know, the developers. So we had to find some technology which uh, was in demand. And Ruby on Rails was, and I think it's still in demand at that time. So, and we had, so we already had companies, but the companies were like startups. And uh, at that time, I just graduated from my, uh, from my college and it was very much new for me. But it was a very great experience. I did I OCJP, Oracle Certified, uh, you know, certification in java mm-hmm. and then so switching to ruby ruby was a very smooth experience because from coming from java to ruby is like very much smooth because you already have the concepts and you know fundamentals clear so it was very much smooth for me yes so that that was pretty pretty much the reason awesome well i like the not looking back part your life will be better i get that what's that what's that thing that java developers have to punish you for using libraries is it maven you remember maven <laughs> to punish you for using libraries oh my word <laughs> i used to spend hours trying to put libraries into maven compared to gem install you hear what i'm saying yep yeah. there's it's like you know two different worlds yeah they're very different i mean not everybody not everybody like chooses to come over to rails sometimes rails chooses you i was also somebody that just kind of like backed into it and was very happy with my luck in the end. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm surprised you didn't make the jump to uh, Grails from Java. That seems <laughs> to be very, very common. I had it off of, yeah. of Valentino. I had it off of Grails. So, but again, they, the projects were not that much in Grails. So <laughs> again, that barrier came. 
Yeah, got to go where the work is. What is Grails? Yeah. Is that like an Indiana Jones thing? It's okay. So my context with Grails, we have a project that's written in Grails that we're porting over to Ruby on Rails, and working on the Grails is pain. But I can't <laughs> speak to like how well factored or whether they followed best practices or anything like that. So when it came to choosing frameworks, did they choose poorly? <laughs> I love that movie. Anyway, I'm going to push this into Docker, talking about Docker. Huzefa, you wrote this article about uh, Rails on Docker Simplified, and you talked kind of through the um, the setup that you have. Is is there a story behind this? Is there like some process that you went through that pushed you to move to Docker? I know a lot of people still just run like Rails server on their machine. And so I was curious why why this particular transition. Yes, sure. So it's like I uh, I have mentioned this problem in my article too. Like uh, so, when we work uh, as a freelance, you know, developers. So let's say if I'm working with you and or anyone, they might come up with the same project and with the same issue. Let's say they are using MacBook Old uh, on their end too, but still they will come up like. I am getting this error, and it is uh, true because setting up rails uh, anytime will give you you know n number of errors, right? So to solve this particular issue, like so, I was working you know on a project, and I had to make sure that the developer working with me also on a, on the same page. Like it shouldn't shouldn't be like I am already setting up the application and uh, he is not able to. So uh, I decided to. See that if I can, uh, you know. So my first approach was for, uh, was regarding a virtual machine to set up a virtual machine, and then to mm-hmm. give an access to him also, so that we both work on the, on the same machine. But then I had that idea of Docker, but I didn't had exact idea that how should I exactly set up my Rails application on the Docker. So I went through some some fantastic articles on you know uh, digital ocean and all so i went through some articles i spent some two or two to three days setting up the rails application on docker and then i was able to set up the whole linux environment the gems and once that is done the, the, for the setup then we can just push the code and the person can just run the docker build command and is it will be installed directly on the Rails application is directly available on, on the container. So he doesn't need to worry about his local machine and, you know, dependencies and all the libraries. We already have a common script and he can just complete the setup within 30 to 45 minutes. So that was the source of me going, you know, jumping into Docker. And then I was inspired by DigitalOcean article. So I decided to put my experience on in this article, so that someone might it might get helpful to someone if they're trying to you know set up their application. So that was pretty much my story behind it. Yeah, I mean it definitely helps. So I run Docker for all of my stuff now, and it it really does help if I have somebody else coming on board or like like you said, setting up the app. It's nice to be able to just basically tell them to install Docker and then just do a Docker compose up or something like that, and just kind of have it set everything up for him. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I can definitely attest to that as well. My old consulting gigs, you know, you get some kind of strange setup requests. I want to, I think it was Oracle and, and Java using JRuby, that combo. If if we had a Docker container, we'd save a lot of time upfront setting up multiple workspaces because who has Oracle on their machine? 
<laughs> Oracle. Mm. <laughs> Oracle's great. I love Oracle. We are sponsored by Oracle, aren't we? <laughs> I worked for a place where, where we used Oracle as well. And and Dockerizing that was one of the one of the highlights of my time there. Did it pay off? We used VMs before that. It was a huge payoff. Interesting. I find VMs easier. And I it might just be a dinosaur, but I find VMs much easier than Docker. So Here's here's the thing with VMs that I found that that convinced me that Docker was better. When you want to push an update for a VM, like the the process for the whole process from you pushing it up or sorry, making the update, pushing it up, the person downloading it and getting it running successfully on the other side is is like multiple days, right? Whereas me pushing a Docker change is like hours it's it's just a t- huge time difference so i don't know times, i had i had pretty good success with vagrant in that regard I've, when i'm sure there are other benefits though so like when your underlying machine would break yeah that's right <laughs> yeah i mean building uh, an app with vagrant is not great <laughs> i mean yeah I, 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 go on I, I just used to take snapshots I mean, surely you just send them the snapshot and then they've got the snapshot yes but what i'm trying to say is like so Taking care of a VM, right, is the same as taking care of a machine. So you're not like counting all of the babying time that you're having to do to take care of like this machine that's like living that's you don't want to destroy, right? If you want to keep making snapshots, you got to keep it alive, right? So you're taking care, you have somebody theoretically taking care of this machine. And all of that time taking care of the machine is real. You have to include that in the time that you're talking about. And that's more or less what I'm trying to get it is like when i step back and think about all that time that's really going into um pushing those new updates and things that person's taking whoever it is that's the source of your vm right is is taking care of that machine they're also uploading this huge many gigs file or whatever i mean docker files can get somewhat big too yeah um but they're usually like tenth of the size or something like that but yeah you you push up this huge vm you hope that the person on the other side doesn't have any troubles. Like, I don't know how many times I had trouble like updating my VM with a new snapshot or whatever. I almost always was a wipe and replace because that's just the way it was. And that's lost data, things like that, right? Docker separates, you know, those things out. If I want to update my Docker container, I just push a change to a file. My data stored on a volume. So, you know, I get my update. It doesn't wipe out my data, things like that. I just, anyway, that's been my experience. Is that VMs took a longer time, a lot longer for me. So yes, Valentino, sorry. I was gonna say, Zefa, did you uh, experience any issues uh, dockerizing JVM and and JRuby? I didn't try it with JRuby, so I have not done that. But uh, uh, yes, I had run into some issues. You know, while setting up the, so I remember one of those issues. Like, so we had we we were using. Ubuntu machines, you know, Ubuntu laptops. So now mm-hmm. we are using MacBook. So even if you go and just search libssl 1.0, there it's a library in Ubuntu, right? And it's related to OpenSSL library internally. This created a heck of a you know kind you know issues and like days were literally spent to solve this issue. And it has issues with with Docker too because if you miss to configure the uh, correct Linux or Ubuntu environment along with when, when you're so we, we have to mention that what libraries you know we need to install on on the Docker container okay 
so if you miss even uh, with a single version or a minor version then the whole the main because that's that's the main backbone of the whole application because that the linux the first the linux libraries will get installed and then them install and will all happen so if that's not properly installed then it's the rails application you can just forget so we had a hard time but yes we figured that out and uh, we were able to solve that particular issue one more thing that i want to i, w- I would like to mention is that docker was like an a year now so i am always uh, also using docu so docu is a pass service so which is a more we can say lighter version of docker so docker comes in under the as we can say it's a virtual machine category kind of but docu is a more lighter in a simple simple version of docker so with less uh, configurations uh, you know, and easy to configure so i am using it now since last 6 months so i haven't decided to write an article but sure i will uh, put that to into one of the articles i'm not familiar with this how how do you spell it it's d o yes correct trillion docu d o double k u that's very interesting d o k k u yep i agree with you zefa i i've run this on a personal machine server before and it's very it's very, it's like heroku uh, right it uses the build oh yeah Yeah, I think I've looked at this. I haven't actually run it anywhere. Now that they have a binary from apt-get or something like that from they have popular packages now, it's much easier to install and update, but in the past I've had a, a painful experience upgrading it. Yeah, I haven't had to build my own package in Ubuntu for a long time. <laughs> uh, when I started out, it was quite a regular occurrence. 8 to 10 years ago, you'd need like the latest version of libusb and you you break out that tarball and that source tarball and you'd be in there rebuilding it I have I'm, I'm pretty much pretty sure I haven't done that this decade yeah one of the things that that I've enjoyed about about using docker right is uh is is when you do have the situations where you do have to make it you make it that one time you upload your image and then uh, mm-hmm. you know your developers download it and they don't have to make it yeah i've got an embarrassing yeah. put them on docker hub You want to hear yes, my embarrassing right. Docker secret? I used Docker to run Ruby 3 because I couldn't work out how to install Ruby 3.0 on my Ubuntu <laughs> box. And even now telling you this, I feel ashamed of myself, but I did. <laughs> no, I'm laughing because I love it as a hack to not have to figure it out. Could could get it. Couldn't get it. Had to Docker it. So uh so I'm, uh, I'm so lazy I'm thinking that that's a good way to just not have to worry about it. <laughs> Sorry John, go ahead. No, I was going to say I think that the Ruby the Ruby Docker Hub I think still has the old old uh like old Ruby images as far back as you want to go. Let's see. Yes, Let's... so I tried with 2.3 I think and that's that's the one is the latest which is supported. I will have to check if there is any latest ones available. I see 1.9.3 in here. So if you have an ancient ancient Ruby version, you shouldn't be using 1.9.3 for security reasons I think at this point, but I guess if you're still there, there's there's a 1.9.3 build I see back here. No 1.8 though. Oh, thank goodness. That reminds <laughs> me of the good old days when I started with Ruby. Uh, that was yeah. my starting point. Yeah. Yeah. 1.8. Point, what? 2 or 3 I think is the first version I used. I don't go back past 1.8. Or 18 by starting point too. So you said that Huziva, you said that you had 
you had some struggles when you were trying to install, I think it was like LibSSL, I think is what you said, in your in your Docker stuff, getting that configured, all that kind of stuff just kind of was a fun journey for you, uh, so to speak, or whatever. I mean, do you guys, so you guys set up this Docker Compose for your development environment. I presume that you had, you have this deployed somewhere. Do you have similar problems? Do you have a completely different setup for production? You mentioned Kubernetes at the bottom of your article. Are you using Kubernetes or anything? Are, are you doing anything in that way with, with your actual you know, production system? Yes. So currently we have set, we have a setup of Kubernetes pods. So we have done the setup for CI CD, which, uh, which has, so as soon as we create a PR, we are able to merge to the master branch of the repo on a Kubernetes pods. So the environment, you know, the, uh, we already defined what environment will be installed for that, for that, uh, for that pod. And uh, usually we keep it for one GB only. We don't uh, create uh, more than one GB pod. And once it takes around five to six minutes to deploy, it gets automatically deployed. And then we are able to test out our, our branch against my master on a particular environment. So it's the whole deployment and all process is automated. So with the Docker containers, okay. it's uh, clustered into... We, with the help of the Kubernetes, we have clustered into pods, and these pods gets automatically deployed when we uh, create a branch against master in our in our repo. So that's the whole setup, and that's the way we uh, you know use Docker internally. So wanted to mention that we use Codacy for for this whole uh, you know CI/CD setup. Codacy is a tool which we use for this setup. This I think so. This is what I am talking about. Codacy awesome. for checking the code and all. Nice. Yeah. And yes, um, so I think the good. yes, yes. Yeah, I think. I mean, these guys have shown up to RailsConf and things before. I uh, I said hi. Yeah. One of the things that I was kind of thinking about as we were kind of talking about like Docker and stuff is, so you you spent a bunch of time trying to get this Ubuntu setup working for your development environment, and obviously Kubernetes has its own things that you have to care about and stuff like that, right? But since you solved that. Right in your Docker container, I I presume you didn't have to solve it a second time in production. Your Docker container just deployed and things work, right? Uh, I didn't got the last uh, part. I'm sorry for that. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so I was thinking that because you solved the libssl problem in your Docker container mm-hmm. during it, you know, when you're getting it set up for development environment, then when you took your container and went to production, things worked pretty smoothly. I presume, right? You, yes, yes, you exactly. You didn't have to solve yes. it again. Exactly. No, no, not at all. Even that, because uh, during the during the whole you know fix and you know R and D stuff and all, we learn a lot of things that we didn't plan to. So actually, it made the whole you know setup for us that we were planning to in as a second phase of the setup. It it made it made it a lot of lot easier because now we already knew many things that we didn't even plan to know. Right. So yes, you're right. So while we were solving this lib SSL issue, it made our life a lot easier when we were doing the production setup with along with Kubernetes. So yes, you're right. I also see in here you you appear to have some scripts or whatever that uh, like your your starting points for your containers are done in scripts. I people don't talk about that a lot, and you didn't talk about it in your uh, article. I know that I do this, and so I just kind of wondered. I, I mean. Is it, do you have to do a lot of work in your scripts or anything like that? I, 
I find that, for example, one of the things that I do is my scripts wait for gems to get installed, for example, things like that. So I, I definitely, I know that I do work in them. I was just kind of curious, do you do a bunch of work in your scripts that you have here? Little, a lot, how did that go? Uh, so actually, that depends, Killian, means how the project is. So if I would, I would like to ping one of the URLs of Docker up. Yep, I got it. So this was the one that this is actually a Docker container. I am not sure if this is public and you would be able to see. So this is an image of the uh, container which I so which we had developed and which we were using among the team members. And so for that, for this particular thing, we had to write a script, a Docker file. Yes, I meant at the very last line of your Docker file, right? You have that entry point there, which is a .sh, .sh file. Yes, yes, correct. So yep. those are the entry points for database setup, like, you know, for creating users on Postgres and all. So I like to keep that separate. So it makes a lot easier to to fix something or to change something. Like for, like for Postgres, we know that we need to create a user, we need to create a role, we need to set a password. So if it's good for me that if it did, that sits up in a in a small script and I just need to worry about the script, if anything, I need to change or I need to fix if there is an issue. And the greater part is that it fixes for all the, all the developers. So that's my approach for using no, separate that's scripts. Cool. I, uh, I mean, so Postgres specifically, right? Like uh, the, I think the standard Docker container, you can use environment variables, but that only works on like the first uh, spin up or whatever, right? Right. So this this is actually, yeah, this is, it's a different way of doing it. It's interesting. And that's exactly what I was curious about is like, what, what were you doing here? And like, what kind of things did you put in those? Awesome. Thank you. One thing that annoys me, I won't do my usual anti-Docker rant. All right. I won't, I won't do that. Okay. <laughs> Dave isn't here to defend the Docker. So one thing I will ask is about logging. One thing that drives me mad with Docker is that it puts its logs into the kind of deepest, darkest directory in the, in Linux. And it's all some kind of JSON file thing. Do you, do you use the standard logging setup when you're using Docker with Rails or do you do something else with your log files? No, we set up with our local files only. So the logs are to work as, as it works when we start the Rails server on my local machine. So the logs, we, we do the setup uh, directly as like I am working in my local machine. And yes, so we can directly access the logs from the container itself and you don't need to worry about it. And it is displayed, I think uh, it's displayed as it is, but I'm not sure what you are exactly talking about. But what we do, what we do when what we set up is uh, almost the identical copy of what it runs on the local machine when we start the rail server. I, my, yes. my typical scenario for debugging Docker, especially something where they've got different moving parts, is something has gone wrong somewhere in the log file. The log file is several tens of thousands of lines long. And I know if I see it, I can spot it. But I'm sat there for ages. And the when you dash F the logs, it spews the whole thing down the page. And I'm sitting there for hours, especially if it's remote, which always is remote, waiting for all this text to arrive. And while this text is arriving, I'm thinking, Joe, why can't we just have logs? Yeah, why can't we have a nice text file? 
why can't we go into log slash production dot log in the good old days? Or oh, so did I say production? I meant staging. Yes, staging dot log is where I'm looking for the errors. And one thing I've I've done recently is you can add a line if you're on Linux to add a line which is there's something along the lines of logs colon journal d and that will put all the logs into system d you know so they just appear like normal logs but for about a year i was kind of raging against the docker logging system desperately searching in slash bar slash mystery to look for log files so uh, i i got your pain point i think so what we usually do is we get into the container Okay, and so after getting into the container is again, you know, a machine. We go into the logs. So we, you must be knowing this, but I just would like to mention that we use a grep command in the in the Linux. So let's say Rails logs and this and then directly slash t and then uh, or operator and then grep and whatever we need to find. So it only displays the content which uh, has that particular string. And I think it also uh, gives us the uh, provision for displaying. So let's say it's ABC and it will display line ABC if it has that word. We can also print file lines above and file lines below. We have to pass minus capital A uh, number of lines you want to display above it and uh, minus B for the lines you want to display below that line so that you can know from where that particular line comes from so let's say you want to know the controller direction the params it it has to be above that line right because it it won't be all the thing won't be on, on a single line so like likewise we do the customization of the commands and use some simple uh, tricks to get into the logs you- do you include those in part of your like do you have like a shared container that you share a lot of these things with when you start new containerizations of your apps or is this something you just copy over uh, into your workflow? It is like we just carry over with along with our normal workflow. So we don't have any separate uh, container, but yes, it's like a normal set. So we uh, even we don't type it. We have already created the shell shell commands. So like we create normal, you know, bash command, the aliases and all. So we already created it and we just use those shell scripts and we already made it available in the containers. So we don't need to you know, uh, write those commands. So they are already available in all the containers. And the entry points you talked about, Krillian, uh, it has those, uh, it includes, so it is one of the entry points to access that particular shell script. So we already have it configured. So all it, all the things, you know, because as a developer, we have to do more debugging than coding because the applications that come to us for, even, you know, for building features or solving any bugs, there has to be a debugging part which is common for all. So we may, we need to make sure that you know we are setting up the environment so that it becomes easy for all for debugging. So that that's that's my approach of working. Hey folks, it's Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to jump on real quick and let you know that I am putting together a podcasting course. I get asked all the time. I've been coaching people for the last six months. How do you start a podcast? How do you put it together? What do I need in order to get it going, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've put together the curriculum, 
And I did it through coaching a whole bunch of people. And now I want to share it with you. You can go check out the course. It's actually going to be a masterclass. It's going to be a four-week masterclass where I actually walk you through the entire process of launching a terrific-sounding podcast and putting together content that people want to listen to. And you can find it at podcastbootcamp.io. I uh, I definitely feel like log collation is almost a necessity with uh, with uh, Docker stuff. I'm, I mean... We're talking about like how how can I get into my container right and like get the logs out of it, which is it's a thing. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I totally employ it on a daily basis. But I think like once you sort of like go to production or once you have like more than one container, container like that starts to it starts to break down and become untenable. And I I don't know, I I definitely found like it quickly becomes a thing where log collation using either a service or something that I mean, there's some free ones that you can set up too sort of makes a lot more sense than trying to log into individual containers, get their logs out, right? What do you mean by log collation? You mean putting all the logs like from different machines in one place? Yep. Yeah, there's a number of services that do that. I mean, yep. I'm trying to think of what I can think of off the top of my head. It's like Logstash or something like that, like Datadog. Mm-hmm. You're talking about log DNA? If that's one of the services we are using for sure. log yep. collection. Yeah, something that collects them all. I think I think all of the... Uh, if I recall correctly, like the honey badgers and the air brakes, I think they can all do some of this too. I haven't used any of them for this, but I do believe they can. Don't don't quote me on that. But log DNA is a is a good service. So we have been using it in one of the projects. So so when one of the client was technical, and we had to make sure that we are not you know giving up some details, wrong details to anyone. So we had set it up this service of log DNA. So it showed each and every so we can it has a provision to set up the environment. Even the local can be allows us to set up there. So we can uh, log uh, development, staging, production, even the sidekick logs. So all the all the logs are available. Uh, we, we it has the provision to you know to allow to set up to all all type of logs. So yes, it's a good option if we if you want to you know simplify the logs and how we see it. And then uh, you know the whole option of going into the containers is uh, is gone because we are now directly looking into logs into the log DNA or any similar kind of service. So any so it has all type of provision like we can search like we do normal search on any you know application. It makes a lot of things very easier, I think. But yes, it 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 is a it is a bit costly, so we need to make the choice accordingly because it goes with the storage plans and uh, you know the sim the the number of users it can uh, it it allows to use. So it goes likewise. So yeah. Yeah, there's um there's definitely some motivation in there for you to set up like your own. I don't remember what the open source one is. Is it? I don't remember off the top of my head, but I was also going to say I did some looking up and I think I was, I was definitely, I think I was thinking of some setups where people like had like Honey Badger or Brake like alongside a logging collation. It doesn't look like they do that out of the box. So uh, don't, don't take that. Don't run off with that. You're going to want something more like Graylogs or Logstash or Datadog, things like that. So, or, or log. DNA or whatever. Okay. Awesome. Ziva, I had a question about because uh, you have in here in your article uh, a note about uh, Docker UI tool, a GUI tool. I use Kitematic. What do you mostly use that for? So, so when I started, I was using uh, because on Ubuntu machines we don't have that much options, and most of uh, so we have a Docker 
I think hub. What's the name? I don't remember. On in the on the Mac machines, in the Mac OS. So it's available. It's it's very much easy. It's it's we don't have to spend a lot of time. But on the Ubuntu machines, it's a lot of difficult uh, task for setting up these tools. So it's like we can uh, you know we can manage these containers from console. But again, for you know for getting all the containers on a on a UI on a on an application. Makes things easier. So, uh, what this kitematic tool I found easier to work on. If if anyone is working on an Ubuntu machine, then they surely should try this. If they are, you know, if they have done the setup for Docker and they want to see all the Docker's running, if they want to start, stop, debug, even the Rails console can start from there from the UI. So all. those sort of things can be done directly from this tool or whichever tool we are using for docker what the name docker provides a similar ui if you have if you're running on mac or windows right then you're probably using docker for mac or for windows and so you just default get this or a very similar tool installed if you uh, if you like open up the little docker whale thing you'll you'll see something similar to kitematic in that way I don't actually it's, use it very often, so I I actually have never spent the time comparing them. It's I, I think Docker Desktop for Mac. I think that's what was that? Is Docker it? Desktop. It's the yes. name of the. Oh you, yeah, yeah. You're right. They renamed it. That's correct. Yeah, and it's more or less the same for Windows. Yeah. Yeah. So for Windows and Mac, it works. Uh, you know, it's very smooth, but uh, it's not available for uh, the Ubuntu machines, and then we have to. go around and find all sorts of other tools which are big working and again ubuntu is is very much difficult so if if you are landing on a version which is not an lts no lts version of ubuntu then you are getting yourself into a lot of trouble because the support is not uh, if you land into a issue there is no support and there is no option for you to to solve the issue unless you are changing the version of your ubuntu os so so that's there's a lot of uh, issues but yes it's it's great amount of learning i think i take it in that way and we get to know a lot of things that i think if if it would have been easy for me to the, to do the setup i wouldn't have learned i think and uh, i wouldn't have tried other things because uh, things were already easy for me if it was in that case yes so i think that everyone should try means we we always do but uh, everyone should try at least one or two years on ubuntu machine because that gives good idea of how errors can be uh, errors are type of errors and how can we solve them and in that path we get a lot of other things to explore and then we learn some new things so yeah it's it's a great journey up till now zefa on the note of you going through and learning about docker and setting up dockerized apps for your rails stuff about how long did it take you to kind of get up to speed like would you recommend this for other people as an example to to go the docker route was it challenging for you or it was it pretty straightforward from your experience it it was kind of a mixed feeling for me so it was easy to install docker obviously but as i said uh, we need to first finalize uh, the tools so if you're able to see the link that i shared that was a container that was the first container 
which i had to for, you know the create for my application so uh, we had to finalize all the linux tools and uh, and with along with versions so which tool we need to you know install or any docker container okay and then we can go uh, along with the rails and bundle install and uh, database setup and all so this part oh, setting up this linux tool part uh, yes as i mentioned that it was a lot difficult because docker will install but you need to make sure that you are not installing any tool which is not supported by the kernel of the os that you are installing it into so that's a very important thing that i have experienced and learned in my experience so because it will lend you in in an area of trouble where it's it's you know it's kind of it goes deeper and deeper you cannot come out of it so it's very important but it's like you know it's it's one time ask for any developer so if i have done all the setup i have spent all the time i think n number of people can use directly so let's say you have the same setup by coincidence and you decide okay let's let me use this container or this setup or this script directly because it is already there so it it's i think it's 5 or 10 minutes you know task for anyone to set up for because it's it's already there so yes i obviously recommend to all and we do follow this because in all our projects we have uh, created containers even if the client doesn't ask we do internally so we don't push that code on production but we do the setup internally and then uh, you know we work accordingly so yes i i would recommend and i encourage any developer that that might come in my contact or you know if it's if he or she is working with me to use docker to because it makes a lot of things easier means it it gives a, you know when we talk about me and n number of people being on the same page it's that kind of platform like we all are on the same page we are not talking about anything which is not present or not correct or not wrong if anyone is speaking so if anyone is speaking it is it applies to all if it not if it yeah, so it doesn't apply to anyone it's that kind of thing uh, you know the doctor is so yes i would i am and i i think i so i actually moved ahead for doctor i think i i'm using docu so that that's a lot easier again from doctor so i i have started but it again it requires uh, some knowledge you know because you can not directly switch from docker to docu we need to do some customization and all but yes again it's a learning path and it generally comes along with the experience are there any tools that you wish existed in the docker space as you were starting things up or, or anything that you saw that was missing from the process of dockerizing your rails app okay uh, yes so for docker i can you know account for current scenario but when i started there were very less references for you know for setting up the docker and all so it's kind and it's it's a kind of thing that most of the people don't do so if you if you need to get the advice or any suggestion you are on your own and with stack overflow google with with the option so i think that as a i don't know if docker needs to do or the rails community needs to do but there has to be some there 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 should be some doc them reference articles i know digital ocean already has but it it's very limited when you go when you go to practical projects and all when you implement that there are lots of things and uh, which you which you don't find and you need to most of the things you are implementing first time right so i think there is no references 
for those things on a single platform and i understand that it won't but i think if there was such like uh, i would like to give an example of our rails guides so docker has similar guide but rails guides i think it's the most simpler document uh, guide i have seen i have gone through java i worked in php but it's the simplest guide and a well maintained guide i have seen in any technology so i think i am not saying it the same or replica but the similar kind of thing i expect it should be for docker too and regarding the tool that you that was your actual question i think that the ui even where we discussed that the docker desktop or kitematic or any tool that we are using it is very limited to what we like we use or we want we would we should we would want to use like for example i can start or stop or do i can start a rails console but i cannot do something which i would uh, like to do for like like i am doing for ci editing right so it it doesn't give me that uh, flexibility to start to to mock the environment which i am doing for kubernetes squad and all so there there should be some lighter version of that in the, and because that gives me a lot of you know idea that how it would be if i would deploy it on production right if i am already knowing that in in development itself then i it's when i'm deploying on production it uh, it makes a lot of things easier for me so that kind of uh, platform i would say bridge should have be uh, i think that's missing but i think that's a different issue to address but yes so that's that's the thing that i think i would want in docker i think that makes a lot of sense too right how how often have we talked about here on the show and and or like how often out there in our own particular lives have you found yourself having a discussion about docker and people are literally talking about how painful the and how big the gap seems to be from where they are to starting like that's that's literally what we're all talking about all the time is like no it's totally worth it to cross this this crevasse and get to the other side you should do it and everyone's like um it's a really deep crevasse so low i think i think you made some good points as if i like i i agree like as you were talking i was like yeah that's a really good point docker reference material is like pretty terrible when we compare it to our our, our rails experience right and and we complain about javascript and, and and php and all the things like all the time and we're just like ruby docs are so much better blah 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 and good point docker logs are terrible we should we should definitely make sure to not for you know, uh, I, I will say it, docker <laughs> is an improvement but it doesn't deliver on its core promise which is to fail to you know, the it works on my machine it does not eliminate that problem we had a junior developer who's uh, working remotely in another part of europe and we couldn't get this uh, Docker container, Docker app running on his machine. And pretty much every senior dev spent quite an extended time on it. And in the end, it was a strange problem. This is totally standard Rails app in a Docker composed thing, a container. He didn't have enough RAM on his machine. And because it was Docker for Windows, it kind of started the container and then dropped out. And it just didn't have enough RAM to run it. And again, you know, you're in exactly the same place as you were a few years ago, where you're onboarding someone, and everyone's just going, oh, "Why, why can't they? Why can't the software run on this on this computer?" But it does eliminate a whole load of more mainstream problems, like no SSL certificates.
Rose and this kind of thing. The real question is, the real question is, is Docker a helpful technology or is it an angry whale that eats all my CPU and RAM? Is Docker a useful <laughs> container technology or is it a conspiracy by big cloud to sell more instances? I think, oh. I think the real question here is, is it possible in today's modern environment to, to do coding on Windows at all? That's, I don't know, man. I have so much. So I think that Docker for Windows under certain conditions seems to be fine. But yeah, I, I am not going to lie. I have been pretty hands off with Windows for almost the past decade. It's so much harder to get anyone working on Windows than it is on Linux or Mac. Like I'll take all the weird stuff that comes with Linux like every day. Totally happy with it since we're in Rails world and everyone's using Mac apparently. But but Windows problems, like they're, they have nothing to do with what you're doing. They're all Windows related. And you have to know the, the Windows problem or the fact that Windows is allowing this person to run on archaic hardware and they just don't realize it yet until they have to do something that's hard that requires more RAM. I'll, I'll, think, I'll stop bashing uh, Windows. Uh, so I think uh, I agree with the problem so i i have so not a lot but i also faced a similar issue not myself but one of my friends so docker gives you the option to choose how much ram you want to use for a single container so by default it has some number but we can increase or decrease that ram usage so i think that that can be a solution for this kind of problems like we can mention you know configure the amount of RAM, the, you know, the each container can use. Because I agree, because now we are using 8 GB and 16 GB of uh, RAM in the laptops, but earlier we were having 4 GB or 2 GB of RAM. So this kind of issues uh, would uh, certainly pop up if Docker container is taking, uh, let's say, 0.5 GB RAM, right? So <laughs> I agree. And I think that's where Doku comes into picture because it's a lot lighter than Docker and it solves this issue. You can say conspiracy of eating up the RAM and memory. So I think that's that's the solution that you are looking for. I will check it out. I've not even heard of Doku before. It's If it's not going to annihilate my my system every time I want to run my Rails app, then it'll make me happy. I know I know all the open BSD people are laughing from inside their CH roots. I, <laughs> I, I know that the uh, upper operating systems have much better con- containerization. I think Solaris had a fancy system too, didn't it, back in the day for containerizing applications? There are actually a few alternatives to Docker out there. And it may very well be that we may all end up using them in a few years. I've never pushed anyone and I've never really jumped ship to use any of them because I, I'm i more interested in the stability of the system. And so like I want I, I want the massive community that's behind Docker. Like, But if that community starts moving towards one of the alternatives, like I'll probably be more comfortable with exploring, right? Because I'm using this like from from development machine, right, all the way through production. So I'm interested in stability all across the pipeline, and I'm not totally like, yes, maybe maybe the system works today, but what happens when I don't know something updates or something, right? Like I'm I'm interested in that whole stability uh, stability ecosystem. I guess I'm not really sure what we call that, but there are a, a whole handful of alternatives that you can try. I agree on that part, but I think Docker uh, the most I found the most, you know, 
interesting and the most simplest part of docker is that setting up the docker compose file so i think that's the most uh, simplest part and it is uh, it is written in a very layman language yes i agree that it's a yml but if anyone who doesn't have the knowledge and if it just reads the docker compose yml can make a sense out of it like what it's doing not technically but you know on a basic understanding level so for example let's say a container we are defining a container and we want to say like the database database container it should run after the application has started okay or the cyclic one cyclic should start before after the rails application has started so we can directly write depends on so there's a depends on a comma uh, you know, keyword in docker compose and then uh, we can directly write it static depends on uh, the rails application and uh, it will start after the rails application has started so i agree with the other you know alternatives but i find that the most easier one i that might be the reason because i have practically used this and i found it i find it easy but uh, yes so i have been fi- i i find this very much easy to implement and even to explain to anyone so if anyone is new it's very much easy for me to explain and get them working as soon as possible. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm going to push us along to picks, but this is really interesting. And I think there are a lot of options that people have that we've talked through. So we'll refer people to your article. Hopefully people can find some other resources that'll help them get what they need from a Docker-like setup. But yeah, let's let's head over into picks. Hey folks, it's Charles Maxwood. And I just wanted to jump in here and let you know about something that I'm doing. It's free. It's out there just to help you get answers to your questions about the things that you're running into with your career. So if you have questions about how to get further ahead in your career, how to start a podcast, how to get a better job, how to get a raise, how to deal with a situation at work with your boss, or just maybe you're stuck and you don't know where to go next. You know, how do I get from junior to senior, senior to whatever's next? How do I become a speaker? How do I get to the next level. That's what I'm out here to do. So every Wednesday at 12 o'clock Mountain Time, I'm going to be doing a call and it's going to be free, totally free. Go to devchat.tv slash level up and you can register for the call. It's using Zoom's webinar software. So it's pretty straightforward. And what we're going to be doing is I'll do 10 minutes and I'll just show you how I do some form of how I level up. And then We'll just answer questions. And it's not going to be a question and answer like, hey, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? And then I say Rocky Road or whatever, right? Instead, what we're looking for is more along the lines of, yeah, I have the situation. How do I handle it? I'm trying to figure this thing out. How do I figure it out? I'm trying to stay current. How do I stay current? And if you have any of those kinds of questions, I'll bring you on the call. We'll ask some deeper questions. We'll make sure we get you a solid answer. And I'm really looking forward to helping some people out. There will be no sales, no selling, no nothing on these calls. It is literally just 10 minutes of training and then Q&A. So you can go check it out at devchat.tv slash level up. Luke, do you want to start us off with picks? This isn't, this isn't the most proud pick, but I'd like you to look at my enormous flask. Have a look at that. Hey, this we got a clean rating on this show. This is this. I think you'll agree. This is the largest hot water containment device you've ever seen. This is a. I think it's it's two. Do you have liters in the USA? It's a kind of over two liter. This this holds so much coffee. 
I need to buy a bigger coffee machine. This is amazing. And yes. I can sit at my desk for about four hours straight. I reckon I'll probably develop deep vein thrombosis by the end of a month because I never have to get up and get a drink again. So first pick, uh, slightly abstract, an enormous hot water containment device to keep your coffee in. But I did, I did have a proper pick and it was elves, not just, not just any elves, but 64-bit ELF files, which are the binaries, they're like a Linux EXE. And I, I found this article where a guy creates an elf from scratch, byte by byte, and explains what every single byte does in the executable file. And I thought it was absolutely riveting. So that's my pick for this week, how 64-bit executables work on the Linux. Awesome. John, do you have some picks? I actually have. I have one. Though I was thinking as Luke was talking, I, the only thing that I think that we use, I mean, we have leaders over here in the US, but I think the only thing that we use it for that I can think of is is liquor. Like they sell it all in 750 mil, like it's sort of the standard, right? But other than that, I can't think of anything that like we actually use liters for really. They sell anyway. two liter bottles of soda. Oh, yep. Forgot about that one. And, and yep. I've seen liter bottles of water too. So, Do you not have liters for car engines? Do you, do you use or you, do you use CC? You fill fill with gallons of gas. No, but the engine size, yeah, some of the engine sizes are liters. It depends on the brand you're buying it, and yeah. So there are more things that that I can't think of, but they exist. It's uh, it's in hiding over here. Anyway, so I recently have been a long time ago. There was a game that came out called you may have heard of it called Minecraft or whatever, and I I enjoyed it a little bit way back when it was in alpha, and then then I stopped, and now I have a child. And just, <laughs> <laughs> I am I'm rediscovering this game. My my son is my son loves Legos, and so he he loves Minecraft. It's like anyway, it's very recent experience that we have been enjoying this together. And I, I stopped playing Minecraft, and I kind of looked at it as being kind of like cheesy and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, all right, I'm kind of done with this. And well, obviously, I was wrong. Um, it's super cool to enjoy with your kids. Just saying. So. That's that's literally my pick for this week. That's Do you my... run your own server? Have you got well, your own Minecraft server? Well, of course, in a Docker container. Like, right? And that's not even a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I set one up in the cloud so my kids can play it with their cousins on the same server. I actually set one up for uh, my whole my whole streaming community or whatever to play on as well. And it was it was pretty easy to do or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's fairly easy. There's there's a few Docker containers out there, and with a little bit of work, you can get it set up. I definitely recommend using a Docker Compose. It just helps manage your environment variables and things like that. But you do you. But yep. Anyway, so Minecraft was big. Oh my! It's definitely been. Uh, I have been doing some of that for the past few weeks, and my son is literally coming up to me like every night can we play minecraft and i'm like we, we don't do it every night so so some nights i'm just like oh, not tonight but other nights i'm like well you you haven't been listening or you know things like that whatever anyway it's a thing and he really likes building stuff and i mean i guess what young kid doesn't i mean i don't know that's been my experience so it's been great i've enjoyed playing with him i highly recommend to people that are like wondering if it's if it's worth your time it's pretty clean and uh, it's super engaging for him, and I'm able to limit it pretty well. So all of these things are pluses from my standpoint as a dad. So awesome, Valentino. Do you have some picks? Sure. So uh, I, I actually have four picks, so I'm going to run through these pretty quick. The first one is uh, an article 
by my coworker, Ben Simpson. He just wrote where he talks about using Thor instead of Rake uh, for a lot of things. It's pretty great. Next, they're, they're all software related this week. Uh, I've been busy. <laughs> but I discovered this gem called RSpec Tracer, which basically traces code execution as you run specs and then can opt to skip tests that are unrelated to code changes. So it works pretty well. I tried it on a, a very large code base and it, it took quite a long time to, to run some of the specs. I think I was doing it wrong, but definitely a promising library. The next thing I, I discovered was uh, called New Shell. It, it's like uh, just a new shell, <laughs> like Bash or Fish or something like that. It's built in Rust, though, super fast. And they do some interesting things uh, with the command results that are pretty remarkable. And then I'll just plug the last thing. I'm wearing a Ruby Kaigi shirt. Next week is Ruby Kaigi. I'm looking forward to listening to it as much as I can uh, from the conference. Uh, they have a, It's a virtual conference for uh, Ruby. Ruby core in Japan. So it's all virtual this year because of the, because of the virus again. So uh, I'm, I'm looking for, they have a lot of great lineups. Cool. I'm going to jump in with a few picks. First of all, I am putting together a podcasting uh, bootcamp. It's going to be four weeks. You will have a great sounding podcast by the time you are done. I'm going to be, you're going to get like video walkthroughs, but you'll also have like Q and a Q&A calls and access to me through discourse or not discourse, discord. We use both and it confuses anyway. Discord. So yeah, if you have a question, we can either just hop on a voice chat on Discord or you know, you can chat your question and get an answer. So anyway, I'm super excited about it. I think it'll help some people kind of take their careers off to the next level. So uh, I'm going to pick that. It's podcastbootcamp.io. And then, yeah, I've been uh, listening to a book called The Sword of Shannara with my kids when I drive them to school. And I read them way back when I was in school, but I really enjoyed those. My kids are starting to get into them now. So I'm going to shout out about that fantasy series because those are fun. And then I've also been listening to Ready Player One, mainly because I want to read Ready Player Two, even though I've heard from several people that it's nowhere close to as good. We'll see what I think. So Ready Player One is a terrific book, and I uh, definitely enjoyed that. So I'm going to pick that. Huzefa, what are your picks? I'm not sure I just would anything pick, you like uh, i would pick docu itself so that's a thing that i think is yet to be explored and if we can discuss more about it it uh, benefits a lot of people because until now i have met a lot of developers across different projects and once they got into docu they were pretty much excited and they were encouraged to replace it with docker so i think that will uh, you know that will benefit. So that's 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 only thing that is currently in my mind at the moment. Cool. If people want to check in with you online, follow you on Twitter, things like that, where do they find you? Sure, I will share my Twitter handle. All right, we'll put it in the show notes. Okay, so here we go, and I will also share my LinkedIn so that because I'm more active and I'm more uh, you know post articles yeah. and post talk about think there more because there are a lot of developers who come on to uh, a single platform while we while a, me or anyone any developer puts anything related to ruby rails python anything so it's a it's a good platform for me to 
share bag related things. Cool. We'll put a link to your LinkedIn then as well. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up. All right. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.